Ladies, happy Mother's Day from Life Church. If you are a note taker, the title of my message this weekend is called Courageous. Please turn with me in your Bible to Exodus chapter 1. We are going to learn about the beginning of Moses' life and how five women full of courage saved a boy that saved a nation. Before we start reading, I want to fill you in on the back history here a little bit. Genesis ends with Joseph interpreting a dream for Pharaoh. And this dream talks about a severe famine. And Egypt becomes prepared for the famine because of Joseph, which enables Joseph then to move into second command under Pharaoh. And the people from surrounding nations come in and are able to be saved which brings in Joseph's brothers and his father, which brings the Israelites into Egypt. Now, Exodus picks up this story somewhere between 200 and 400 years later. The old Pharaoh, of course, is long gone, and new Pharaohs have risen and have fallen. At some point, one of these new kings sees that the Israelites are a threat, that they keep growing in number, so he oppresses the nation by forced labor. But the more the people were oppressed, the more they grew. So the unnamed Pharaoh saw that the oppression of the people was not enough to stop them. So he comes up with this evil plan, this plan that he believes will remove the future generation of Israelite men and require the women to become subservient slaves, all in hopes that the women will then marry Egyptian men, which would eventually wipe out the Israelites. But as you, as we read, you will see that this Pharaoh underestimates the courageous trust, faith, and compassion that results in a resolve of the women from the start. So if you're with me, let's turn in Exodus chapter 1, and we're going to start reading at verse 15, and we're going to read through to chapter 2, verse 10. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew wives, the first, whose name was Shifrah, and the second whose name was Pua. When you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him, but if it's a daughter, she may live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh then commanded all the people, You must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. 
She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it, and saw the child. And there he was, a little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, This is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. What we have here is our first example of what I like to call courageous trust. These midwives, Shifra and Pua, are two women that are just your average day working girls. And they get called in and summoned in to Pharaoh's office, into his court. Now, I can imagine that these girls were scared, but this was all an act of intimidation on the part of Pharaoh. Because what really could these two midwives do against a Pharaoh, against a king? But these women, when he called them in and and told them of his evil plan, they didn't fall for it. They didn't fall for him. They didn't take his fear and his intimidation. But they instead, they chose to defy him and to honor God. They trusted God over trusting in Pharaoh. As co-leaders, I read that Shifra and Pua could have led up to anywhere close to 500 midwives for all of Egypt. This is the first instance in scripture of what today we call civil disobedience, refusing to obey an evil law for a higher good. And it was done by two women. Think about that. Come on, girls. Civil disobedience, the first act was done by women in the word. Some of you may be asking, but weren't these midwives lying to Pharaoh? I like to think of it a little differently, that they weren't that the babies were born before the midwives arrived because Shifra and Pua had told their assistants to be late. Pharaoh underestimates the women. He never thought it possible that anyone would disobey his order, especially these two midwives. So Pharaoh brings the women in a second time and imagine now they're, they're, they're in, they've been caught, they know they've, they've been found out. I'm sure their knees were knocking, they were fearing for their very lives. But Shifra and Pua were filled with trust in God because they were clever. They were clever and they used their wisdom against Pharaoh. They called out his prejudice against him, stating that the Hebrew women were vigorous in childbearing. We rush to help them, but they deliver before we can arrive. Now, I'm pretty sure that with, a, with all certainty here that the Pharaoh has no clue on how childbirth actually goes down. So not to look stupid, he buys their story hook, line, and sinker. Verses 20 and 21 are some of my absolute favorite in all of scripture. God blesses Shifra and Pua for putting their lives in line in order to save the Jewish nation from extinction. He allows them to have families, for them to be fruitful and to multiply, even during such dangerous times. I love this quote that I found that was written about Shifra and Pua. It says, God rewarded them for their devotion, not their deceit. Take courage today. No matter what battle or bully you are facing, trust in God. 
like these midwives. Believe and trust in God that he is gonna be faithful to see you through and ready to bless you for trusting in him. Next, we see a courageous faith in this mother-daughter duo team of Jochebed and Miriam. Although they're not mentioned by name in this passage, we know that the name of Moses' mom is Jochebed from Exodus 6.20, and that his sister is named Miriam in Exodus 15.20. Here we have a bit of defiance shown to us by Jochebed and Miriam. They decide to hide Moses for three months, which I'm sure was not an easy task, but might have been made easier with the help of Miriam who many believe was around the age of 10 to 12 years old at this time. When Moses could be kept a secret no longer, Jochebed does exactly what was ordered by Pharaoh to do. She places her baby in the Nile, although I'm sure it's not the way Pharaoh had envisioned. I cannot imagine the courageous faith it took to place Moses, her baby, in that basket in the water, all while praying and hoping that Pharaoh's daughter would come out like she had in the past. This is a scene that I want to watch when I get to heaven with my virtual goggles. If you've been to a 70 Palms, you know that I like to tell the stories of when I get to heaven, I wanna be able to go to wherever that room is and be able to put on the goggles that allow me to be a part of whatever scene I wanna be in in the Bible. And this is one of them. I wanna put on the goggles. I wanna feel the tension in the air, the angst, the the fear, the frustration. I wanna be able to, to get into the reeds put my feet and my toes in the mud of the Nile and stand there next to Miriam. I wanna feel what Jochebed feels when she places that basket in the reeds and instructs Miriam what to do, exactly what to do. I wanna be there when Miriam, as she waits and she's frightened and she's scared and she's nervous, all anticipating what's gonna happen next all the while knowing that her mother is standing not far behind her, praying and waiting as well. For both of them, waiting faithfully for God to show up and for the Pharaoh's daughter to emerge. How Miriam must have been so brave to be able to stand there in that space. This girl of around 10 years of age, worried and scared for her safety, but also for that of her baby brother. And then seemingly, at just the right time, this princess makes her way down to the Nile and sees the basket. Miriam's heart had to be just overflowing and beating out of her chest. It was all going to be okay. But then something triggers in her mind and she thinks, oh my goodness, what happens though if the princess takes this baby that she has found and shoves him into the Nile? Will she or will she have compassion and pick the baby up? All the scenarios that had to be running through this little girl's mind as she's standing there in the Nile, in the reeds, looking like she's seemingly picking them to make baskets. But what relief Miriam must have felt when the princess actually picks that baby boy up, her baby brother up. At this moment, Miriam has to be quick on her feet. She has to be smart and clever. She has to convince this princess to use her mom as the wet nurse for her own brother and make it all appear like she is just waiting and wanting to be a help and not pushing or scheming her own agenda. Miriam may have been this girl, this girl that seemed to be of no consequence, 
but she has courageous faith and dared to approach this royal daughter, this princess. You see, desperate times required her to push past the fear and step out in courageous faith and to do the bold, necessary actions in order to save her brother. What are you facing today? What is requiring courageous faith beyond yourself? Lean into God, pray and ask him to give you wisdom and knowledge on how to proceed forward. Lastly, we see courageous compassion in Pharaoh's daughter. We don't know much about Pharaoh's daughter, this princess, but we do know that she was raised by a father full of rage and anger and hate. But she is a stark opposite. She is full of kindness and tenderness and compassion. She recognizes immediately that this, is, that this boy is a Hebrew, which lets us know that she is aware of the kill order that her father has set out and put into motion to kill all the Hebrew baby boys in the Nile. But yet, here, she takes a step of courageous compassion and brings this baby boy into her care, possibly putting her own life at risk. What story did she have to tell her father in order to be able to keep this Hebrew boy? I can only speculate, but perhaps she was unable to conceive a child herself, and the pain of her not having a child was one her father knew all too well. So he granted her this one baby boy, because truly, what harm could this one Hebrew boy bring him? Nonetheless, Pharaoh's daughter shows Jochebed compassion by allowing her to raise Moses, proving she has a heart of kindness and tenderness. We don't know for how long Jochebed was allowed to raise Moses, but I like to think that it was long enough for her to teach and train him in the knowledge of God and, the, and that he is the great deliverer of his people. When the day comes that Jochebed, his birth mother, must walk her son over to Pharaoh's house and give him to his adopted mother, what courageous faith to trust in God and believe he truly had a plan. We witness an act of compassion by the princess when she shares with Jochebed what the baby boy's name is going to be, that she decides to call him Moses. We witness this, and, and I cannot imagine what that felt like for Jochebed. Because as parents, we research and we plan out our children's names. We honor family members or our heritage. Um, we pick out names that have significance or meaning of importance to us. It is a parental prerogative to be able to name your own child. But here, the adoptive parent chooses a name that ultimately decides to bring both heritage to, heritages together, the Egyptian and the Hebrew. By the way, this is the first adoption recorded in Scripture. See, God had a plan for adoption all along for you and I. Adoption is in the heart of God, and he shows that here in Exodus. Moses, meaning son, S-O-N, in the, in, the, in the Egyptian language, and then what sounds like in the Hebrew for to draw out, to draw out of the water. One theologian said it like this, 
The name princess, the name the princess picks actually means in the Hebrew form, he who draws out, suggesting that the child was destined to be the one that draws his people out of slavery, which would be the one that God tells of in Genesis 15 to Abraham. You see, in closing, we see a courageous trust in how the midwives stood up to Pharaoh by defying his death order and targeting, by targeting these baby boys. How Jochebed, full of courageous faith, took the risk of giving birth in Egypt and hiding her son until she could come up with a faith-laced, God-inspired plan to save him. Pharaoh's daughter is full of compassion. She is, uh, collaborates with the Hebrew woman by adopting the boy. Young Miriam, both clever and courageous, as she negotiated a wet nurse contract between her mother and the princess. Being courageous is not for the faint of heart, especially in today's world. It takes Bold, strong women to live lives ready and willing to trust in him, to put their faith in him, and to walk in compassion. I hope that this message has sparked something inside of you to want to study these women more, to know more in a deeper way, and how to take courage and how to have a heart full of courage like they had. And when moments of difficulty and, and, and hard times come through, that you are going to be able to trust in him, to put your, all your courageous trust, faith, and compassion in him and be courageous women for God. My closing thought for you is found in 1 Corinthians. It is found in chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all that you have got, be resolute in love without stopping. Let me pray over you today. Oh Jesus, I am so thankful for these women. I come before you today and I ask that you allow your daughters to know that they are truly your masterpiece that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they are more than conquerors, that when they pray that you hear them and you respond, that your word and your promises will sustain them. And as they run this race, I ask that they would finish strong, to not be afraid, but that you are with them, that you are their shelter and their hiding place that they do not have to be a slave to fear any longer, but to know that you are their protection. Show them how to be courageous in their everyday lives, walking in courageous trust and faith and compassion. That is my prayer for them, that they would know how truly loved they are by you. Bless their socks off, I pray, Father God. And it's in your precious name, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen.